Rogers. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. With Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. We always try to walk in sunshine in your life here on the Watchdog Morning Show and hour number three, 909 here. The big gig is uh, winding down, but still some good stuff yet to go. This is I think we've had a really good day today, Bob. I, uh, Tom uh, Scateri was was really hot today on, on Target with a, quite a few stories coming out of the Pentagon, our regular weekly report. I was really glad to talk to Bill Elenfeld about the uh, you know what? Roxy we talk, development story. When he's on your ass, I mean, you, you, you might as well just walk in, throw your hands up, and just surrender. Just yeah. save yourself a little bit of time. Save yourself so you can pay some of them poor folks back instead of wasting all the money. Bill Elenfeld, a federal prosecutor. Bill is a... Just a, a, a nicest guy as you possibly can know. I mean, I, he's just a, a tremendously nice guy. But, you, you don't want him. You don't want him on your ass. <laughs> and we we talked multiple times about the fact that early on he decided that uh, that uh, COVID uh, criminals were particularly bothersome to him. And he's, you know, if you took the COVID money and didn't do the right thing, well, just ask Dalton Haas about that, you know. And we could, I could tell from the multiple times Bill's been with us to talk about the, the Roxby development case, that got under his skin. It sounds to me, doesn't sound to me, he said, Elon felt like almost all of us in town, when Roxby was on its way up, kept saying, something isn't right. All these pieces don't seem to fit quite right. And then he got a whistleblower who, I, meant, I was asking him to repeat the story, if I remember correctly, Somebody flagged him down from their car and said, hey, oh, come over a minute. I need to tell you something. And that's kind of the whistle. I think that's the story he told before. And that helped to break the case. And then he got uh, uh, got. Uh, and, and, of course, they had to bring original charges against Jeffrey Morris a little bit faster than they thought because he was getting ready to get he out was, of Dodge. He was skedaddling. And so they had to get something to hold him. And then shortly thereafter, got all 28 counts. Yesterday, pled guilty to two counts. Uh, text line, Frio Stack, Oxford Service text line. I don't think he will spend a day in jail, says uh, uh, one of our texters. Sentence has not been handed down. I mean, that's c- certainly true. And it's the federal judge who makes that decision. Although, as Bill Elenfeld said, in the federal court system, it's really all by the, believe me, I've, I haven't gone through this, but I've gone through this people I know. It's all by the numbers. They, they just they it's, it's like a chart. Yeah, Howard, but if the texter's right, the only way that that would be all right with me is if they pay back everybody in full. Then I would say, okay, now we're going to talk about that. Maybe yeah. maybe you can't stay out of jail, but if you owe those people and there's not a chance of you paying them back, you're going to do the sentence. Well, and Bill seemed to say that you know while he's going to be, again, the sentence hasn't been handed down, but the maximum would be, he has to pay $5 million in restitution to the people he stole money from, he defrauded money from, and another half million in taxes. Bill even said, I don't know where that money's coming from, except, as he said, you follow him the rest of his life, and any time he gets something, you get it. That's all you can do. Um, he'll spend time in jail. 
Now, six and a half years? I don't know. Five years? I mean, I, I but he'll spend time in jail. I, I just think if I ever went and, and, and turned into this kind of, kind of a criminal, I think I would be smart enough to have an escape plan, which didn't work on his part. But I'd have a nest egg somewhere that I just had to get to. Whatever I had to deal with, whether it was prison, disgrace, or whatever, I knew that if I got to here, it'd be okay for a while. We don't know where he's going, but apparently the uh, prosecutor's office felt that he was going somewhere. That's why they had to slap the first charge on him quickly because he was going to try and get out of the country. So I, I, I don't know. And he's another guy that, as I said to, to the Bill uh, last hour, you know, a lot of people thought he was a nice guy. You know, I, I guess that's how scam artists are, right? They seem like nice that's guys. How they get so, that's how they get your money, Howard. You ain't going to give it to them if, they, if you hate their guts. Frio Stack Auction Service text line, more story. Have they determined if monies were given to individuals not associated with the companies hired by him? And is there a way to get their money back? Well, again, there there is there will be a restitution requirement, and they'll follow him until they get that, and they may never get it, depending on what kind of assets he has. But I don't think he has assets now. I don't quite understand your question if monies were given to individuals not associated with any companies hired by him. I mean, he owed money to a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of companies. Let's see, one more text before I get to my guest. Frio Stack Auction Service text line. If he has any amount of money, he will not do any time. I, I don't believe that. I, I think he will do time. Again, it's, six and a half is the maximum. Five? Four to three, six? Yeah. You know, three to five? I, I don't know. He'll do time. Um, and, and any amount of money, I don't think will cut it. He's five and five and a half million dollars is what he owes to two different entities. Uh, and Mr. Elenfeld does not seem to feel he has that kind of an asset, those assets available. Maybe you're right, Bob. Maybe as they continue to follow through and he says they have an asset develop, asset research team that will look to see if he's got things, things hidden someplace. I hope so. I hope they and, find it. You know, I feel particularly bad for the investors, um, the local investors who just thought they were doing good for the city. Here's a guy, oh, we, we want this to happen. We want the McClure to succeed. We want the Scottish right to be saved. This guy can do it for us. We'll give you a lot of money. And he just scammed him. He just just scammed him. All right, uh, 30 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 29th the Highlands, 32 in Elm Grove, and 30 at the uh, Watchdog Radio Network studio, mostly cloudy. Uh, then maybe a bit of sun this afternoon, daytime high around 42, sunny high around 40 tomorrow, some rain or snow uh, before 1 o'clock on Thursday. So, I guess I started this whole thing, right? You did. You, you got me the Christmas present. It was the murder of Julia Stoughton Clark. That started the whole thing because... Publishing heiress uh, in Charleston. The, murdered in her home. Right there in her living room. And I, I was really could not put the book down. I, I, I was hooked. And it, as you are wont to do... You then went to the YouTube. I'm a YouTuber at night. So I'm reading and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hmm, I bet there's something on YouTube about this case. And voila, there was Sean McCracken and it was Mysterious WV. And we talked about you don't want Bill Ehrenfeld on your ass. Well, you don't want Sean McCracken on your ass either because he's going to solve that case. So it wasn't just the murder on Staunton Road, which got your interest, but then we discovered that he has been solved, not solving, he has been doing documentaries, if you will, on unsolved mysteries around the mountain state and surrounding states as well 
for some time now. Um, you've watched them all, right? I've, I've watched just about all of them, and it come back to hurt me because now they've all blended in, and I can't tell really this one from the other one. The majority of these are the state of West Virginia. Now, he'll venture over to Virginia a little bit. Uh, a couple really good ones on East Liverpool, and the one he's going to talk about today is a story from Ohio, Howard. Right, exactly. So let's welcome Sean. Let's welcome to the shows. <laughs> We're talking about you, Sean. Let's talk <laughs> welcome, to you. Welcome, Sean. Good morning, sir. And voila, Sean McCracken is here again. <laughs> yes, uh, if, I, if I could clarify just really quick, the case we're going to talk about today started in West Virginia. That's right. That's right. The person who was missing for all of those years was a West, a West Virginian. So uh, it started here, and boy, it's gone a long way in the last five years. But it, but it actually is a, it goes back to over 40 years. No, it goes back about 50 years, I guess, right? 80 years. The actual case. Well, that's right. The actual case. Forty-five. The case was in yes. 1945. Yeah, and they uh, only kind of reopened yep. it a bit in uh, five years ago. Sean, before we get to that story and maybe talk about some of the others as well, how did you get into this? Talk. T- tell me how you got into this. I grew up uh, with shows like In In Search of and Unsolved Mysteries, of course, and I've always there's a saying that I always latched onto. Everyone loves a mystery. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we both love them and we hate them because I think as human beings, we hate having things unresolved. We hate loose ends. And I've always hated loose ends. So I was naturally drawn to mysteries. And as technology advanced, I finally found a way to become involved in it. And uh, it'll be, oh my gosh, seven years I've been doing this come April the 1st. That's no fooling. And you, um, you do a lot of. I mean, you don't just like go and check out the police file and repeat the police file. You do a lot of investigating in this, or your own personal research, I should say. Oh yes, yes. From the very start, I go into it as, as deep as I possibly can. I heard you talking about the uh, Julia Staunton Clark murder. Uh, that one was nice. It was practically in my own backyard. Uh, as you can imagine, there was a good deal of material on that in the paper. Right. Uh, curious thing, curious thing, knowing my luck, the book you were talking about was based on the police report, which they found a year after I did my feature. Oh, <laughs> If it's okay with Howard, let's jump right into that one then, uh, Sean, because again, that one really, I think I solved it. Let me just come out right now and tell you, I think I solved this case. But the, right. but I mentioned right. that to Danny Jones about a month ago, a couple weeks ago, and he kind of laughed at me and just uh, get out of here because Danny is the belief that it was a uh, someone not known to anybody that he they just wandered up the hill from the tracks, uh, saw an opportunity, killed the old lady, and took her wallet. Let me tell you, Sean, I don't believe that for one second. That hill's too steep. No way. Well, well, Danny said, well, I've done it. You know, Danny Jones lived in that house, which was really, really crazy. But Danny wasn't buying what I was selling because I think it was either one or two people. It was either Arch, her son-in-law, or Lyle, her actual son. And what I believed happened was it wasn't intended. Whoever killed the lady, excuse me, an argument, lost their temper. And what I think one of the clues was, Sean, the picture of her dead body laying there in front of the fireplace. 
I didn't see any of the tools that would normally be there in front of a fireplace. And I know it was August. I know it was the middle of summer. But folks that I know that have a fireplace like that, they don't put those things up for the season. They leave them there on the, the what's that called, a hearth, Howard? Uh, hearth, hearth, yeah. Yeah, hearth. They leave it sit there. So to me, the, the damage to her head sounded like a poker. And the, the sliver of wood, maybe it was an antique poker that the, the, the handle itself wasn't so much wood, but, you know, right, right there maybe by the handle was. Do you buy any of that? Do you think it was an inside job, a family member? If you're following the percentages and you're playing it, if you're going to bet it, that would be, that would be the way to bet it. Eighty percent of those crimes are committed by family or somebody close. So... If that is the case, it would fit. Well, you're not jumping in, so you're not buying it. You're, you're not sold on that yet. You haven't made up your mind on this case? You know, I honestly try not to, to make my mind up on it. I just report it. I try not to get into speculation. Spe- uh, speculation and going down, the, uh, going down the rabbit hole for me is dangerous. I'm claustrophobic. I don't like <laughs> rabbit holes. Yeah, I was going to so, say, uh, <laughs> I, I, I say, Bob, I, I, I don't think he plays Sam Spade. As, he plays more... Uh, uh, I don't know Bob Woodward or something. He he does the journalistic approach to it. I don't think I mean the sense I got uh, Sean from watching some of the shows. I didn't watch all of them like Bob did, but watching many of them is that you report the facts and let people draw their own conclusions. And I I get the sense that maybe you might have some thoughts on them, but you're not gonna uh, you know you you you're not. I guess if you knew who did it, you'd probably tell the police, I suppose, or whatever. Which brings- uh, yes. If I if I had insight into any of them, I certainly would not hold back. It was interesting you mentioned Danny Jones. Uh, when I think of him, I think of his connection with another case I profiled, not quite as old, Leroy Gorman, 1982 in Charleston. He knew that case inside and out because he knew Mr. Gorman. I'm not, I did not see that. Tell me about that case. Uh, Leroy Gorman was vice president of the Charleston National Bank, who was gunned down in the Steak and Ale parking lot in Charleston in 1982. And he was a, a pillar of the community on the outside, but he still had an active, an active lifestyle. And he was the vice president of a bank right at the time when banking was totally changing. And, uh, well... To this day, they don't know exactly what happened to them. Law enforcement has their has their theories, has their strong theories. But uh, Danny, uh, who owned a restaurant at the time that this happened, had known Mr. Gorman for I don't know how long, and he had said he was a fine guy as long as you caught him before 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> You've done a couple things up in this area. I, I know I want to get to the Shelby case, the Shelby, Ohio case in a minute, but uh, which, oh, yeah, which, yeah. which was a big, big development in yesterday. But uh, you've done a couple things up this way. The one that um, has eaten at me since I remember covering it as a reporter myself was the Sister Robin case, uh, the huh. the nun that uh, was, was murdered in some way, manner, or fashion up at the Mount Carmel Monastery. My gosh, yes, that one was the second one that that I covered, and uh, that one really—that's that's one of those ones that eats at you. I know the cold case det- det- uh, detachment at the at the state; it still touches them. They um, they have their theories, 
but they don't have anything to tie it together to tie it. What uh, what really jumped out at me about your reporting on that case was again, I'm like Howard. That's the one that stays with us. It just, it mm-hmm. just it's it's horrible beyond horrible. Uh, but what I learned from your piece, Sean, was that she had a somewhat of a social life even before she got up to St. Joseph. She was, uh, you know, monitoring these clubs and and spending time with uh, this young uh, group. And I didn't know that before. I I always was the believe it was just bad timing, someplace you know, wrong place, wrong time. But after really watching your piece, I'm more convinced now that it was someone that knew her, someone that knew her routine because of her life before St. Joseph's. Yeah. Again, if you're if you're playing the odds, that would uh, that would be the way to that would be the way to bet it. And I think that's where law enfo- that's where law enforcement is focusing, or they have been focusing. Well, that one was interesting. That one had to be researched old school, old school. We're talking going through the newspapers page by page by page for months just to find ex- the information. It was extremely well covered, though. I mean, the newspaper did a good job with that. And I think you talked to one of our old friends who's now passed away, Tom Burgoyne, who was uh, uh, involved in looking at that as well, former sheriff, former FBI agent. So uh, that story was, again, that is one that I, I remember, it was my early days as a reporter, I remember doing all the, uh, remember all the stories as they, as that, as it developed, that's, that's a good one. Let me ask you this, Sean, do you get, after an episode airs on YouTube, do, um, do people do things like Bob just did, do people send you a note or an email or a text or something, or go to your Facebook page and say, Hey, have you ever thought about, or what do you think about this? Blah blah blah. Give you tips that way. That's how my first case got solved. As a matter of fact, and that was a case that was almost as old as this one in Ohio. Uh, case of Wilford Eugene Wilford Eugene Morton went to missing in West Virginia, 1954. Less than a half an hour after his show aired, uh, somebody texted me with inf- information that eventually led to dis- uh, discovering what had happened to him. So what do you do? You take, so, you take that to the police that you've been working with or the police that There were no police in, there were no police involved in that one. It was oh. only family. There had never been an actual I got missing you. One person's of the, case. I got you. Okay. So uh, yeah. I immediately got with the family and was coordinating with them. His piece aired on a Saturday night and by 2 p.m. on Monday uh, through a death certificate they had it confirmed. He was, he had died in 1956, but he had been found. That's amazing. Uh, oh, you want to talk amazing? Surrealistic is the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, another case started in West Virginia, as you pointed out, the going all the way back to 1945, uh, ending up, I guess, in Shelby, Ohio. If my if my reading of the article is correctly correct, but a giant breakthrough in that looks like it's been solved, one hundred percent solved. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mary Jane Van Gilder, a native of, of uh, Fairmont, West Virginia, moved to Ohio, Plymouth, Ohio, in 1944, escaping a bad marriage. We think she worked there at an army at an Army Air Force installation for exactly one year, and in March of 1945, it was as though she just dropped off the face of the earth. I was contacted in the summer of 2019 by the 
by the family and by the officer in charge, seeing if I could help out. And uh, I think I had only gone outside of the state twice at that point, but because this one started in West Virginia, I was game. And uh, I've been with that one since almost day one. And here, just within the last two months, somebody uh, who had an alert eye, an armchair sleuth, who wishes to remain anonymous, uh, saw a name in a piece of documentation that had been discovered and followed that one little breadcrumb to a grave in uh, Louisiana. And lo and behold, that person in the newspaper, uh, in the report, had married somebody named Mary Jane with the exact same birthday. And following a DNA test, it was confirmed 100%. That was her. Wow. The, the, that was her. The case lay dormant for quite some time. Again, it occurred back in 45. Lay, lay dormant. They kind of reopened it or began to relook at it again about five years ago or so? Uh, there, there was never actually a file on it opened until 2018. Okay. Uh, the family had been looking for, had been looking for her. Uh, as early as 1949 through the early 1950s. I don't think they ever completely stopped. But law enforcement, I know, was never officially involved until 2018, and it was not long after that that they contacted uh, they contacted me, and we got to working together on it. Again, hard to believe we've been working on that one now for nearly five years. <laughs> It was one of my questions I want to ask. Do you work with, I mean, I'm thinking here in the upper Ohio Valley, both of the folks who started this are now passed away. Uh, local reporter Fred Connors uh, was a, an investigative reporter, and, and he and former Sheriff Tom Burgoyne and others, but those two in particular, formed kind of an, an informal cold case task force up here where they would start mm -hmm. to look at these things. Do you work with groups like that, or do you talk to groups like that? I'm not saying that group in particular, but to, to groups like that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. The very first case that I ever profiled uh, was not in Marshall County or Ohio County. It was in Wetzel County. And uh, just out of the blue, I decided, well, I'll call, I'll call the officer who currently has uh, this one. Nobody, nobody had ever heard of me at this point. There was no channel. This is back in 2017. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he got back in, in, in touch with me and Talked, uh, talked with me about the case for a good 12, 13 minutes and shared a couple of things that were not known publicly so that I could steer the, the, the story in an quote-unquote appropriate direction. So, yes, from the very beginning, uh, I can honestly say I have never been turned down out of hand by law enforcement. Some of them have had to tell me, you know, there's only so much that we can tell you about it, but nobody has ever just slammed the door in my face. In talking to the late Sheriff Burgoyne and also in particular to the late Fred Connors, the investigative reporter, uh, one thing I have learned is that there are cops who just can't let some cases go. And that is so true, so true. And that's got to be that's got to be the kind of, of of thing that's helpful to you because th these are cops who have it in their head and they can, you know, they know the little bits and pieces that maybe aren't in some report someplace but can be helpful to you. Definitely, definitely, and they uh, believe me, they hate loose ends. 
just as much as we do, even more so, I would imagine. Uh, cases that, especially like this one, that go for so long, and you know now with the tools at our disposal that if we could just connect A to B to C, that we know we could we could we could solve it. And finally, that's what eventually happened with Mary, Mary, Mary Jane's case. We had the A, and we sort of had the C. Well, somebody found the B in the middle, and, and connect- that's all it took. And connected it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Sean, you probably don't have to deal with this on YouTube, but we have to take a break. <laughs> oh, oh, no. They put their stuff in whenever, whenever, whenever they feel like <laughs> they just it. Just pop it in. So I'm going to take a break. Can you hang on with me for a little bit? Sure thing. All right. And we're talking to, with Sean McCracken, about, uh, the producer of uh, Mysterious WV, looking at unsolved crimes in West Virginia and around the Mountain State and nearby states. Fascinating series. You'll find it on YouTube. We'll talk some more in a minute. But first, at 933, let's do this. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this February the 13th. We have new details on the shooting that took place in Steubenville yesterday. Pittsburgh police have detained two male subjects linked to a vehicle in the shooting. Steubenville police say they were able to get the make, model, and license plate of the vehicle. They passed that information to other departments, and police in Pittsburgh located the vehicle and arrested the occupants. The shooting happened around 1230 yesterday at the Maryland Market in Steubenville. Officials say the juvenile victim was lifelighted from Harding Field to a Pittsburgh hospital. And all new this morning on Saturday around 1130, fire crews responded to a fully engulfed house fire on County Road 21. Civilians rescued one occupant from the roof before crews arrived. Both occupants were hospitalized and later transferred to Pittsburgh due to their injuries. The state fire marshal's office is now investigating. Yesterday, the woman from Belmont County found with numerous deceased and ailing dogs on her premises submitted a plea. 54-year-old Paula Metzler entered an Alford plea to five counts of felony animal cruelty in exchange for having the remaining five counts dropped. An Alford plea is one in which the defendant maintains his or her innocence but can be found guilty by the court. Rescuers say the family and the animals were living in the most deplorable conditions they ever witnessed. Metzler's sentencing is set for next month. Her daughter, Christy Metzler, is also charged. She requested and was granted a psychological evaluation before her case goes forward. And the Steubenville High School Nike Club, in partnership with the American Red Cross, is hosting its final blood drive of the school year today from 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. They aim to collect 30 units of blood, hoping to reach a total of 75 units for the year to secure two scholarships for seniors. The school has already collected 57 units from previous drives. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment, too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas, featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70, the top of the hill, the Highlands. 
race to savings right now at Menards. Get the comfort and support you'd expect from a new mattress with Serta. Find the perfect mattress that fits your size and firmness needs. The Serta Perfect Sleeper Sarlington Mattress provides cool contouring comfort and relief from pressure points. Don't sleep on this deal and pick up a queen today for $739 at Menards. Price is good through February 18th. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. Judge Ron Wilson was born and raised his family here in West Virginia. He is the most experienced judge in our mountain state. During his years serving the citizens of Hancock, Brook, and Ohio counties, Judge Wilson was selected to sit on the Supreme Court, was voted Judge of the Year, and was selected in 2023 for judicial excellence. Let's keep Judge Ron Wilson. I'm Judge Ron Wilson. And I respectfully ask for your vote. Paid for by the committee to keep Ron Wilson judge. I'm Deepak Kuda. I am from originally India. I am director of the Structural Heart Program as well as Cardiac Cath Lab at Wheeling Hospital. Our main clinic is obviously here at Wheeling Hospital WU Medicine. We also have satellite clinics, we call it, the Upper the Highlands. Then we have clinic at the Wheeling Clinic, which is in downtown Wheeling, and Martins Ferry. And then we also have clinic at St. well. So we try to go where the patients are or to make it most convenient for them. On FM, on AM, online, on demand, and on video. We are where you are. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe is here now. Today, the day before Valentine's Day here, 938, 22 to the hour, Watchdog Morning Show. Look for a mostly cloudy day, some sunshine, maybe by mid-morning, early afternoon. Daytime high around 42. Still roaming around freezing, though. 30 at the airport, 29 at the Highlands, 32 in Elm Grove, and 30 here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. I do want to remind you, it's been a good day today, I think. I hate to pat ourselves on the back, but... Uh, Tom Scateri, our national correspondent and Pentagon reporter, had some really good stuff coming out of the Pentagon this morning, uh, including a dust-up he had with some of the Pentagon spokespeople. Uh, you may want to listen to that again, or if you missed it, you want to check it out. Uh, really good segment with uh, Bill Elenfeld last hour, federal prosecutor, uh, as the uh, plea agreement was reached yesterday with Jeffrey Morris, head of Roxby Development, uh, the big, biggest um, fraud scam story here in the Upper Ohio Valley in a long time, and uh, Bill talked about that with us this morning, and we're talking now with Sean McCracken from Mysterious WV, uh, look at unsolved mysteries around the Mountain State and the surrounding states, and so if you miss any of these things, remember you can check them out on our website, watchdognetwork.com, look up the podcast, or we're on Apple Podcasts, and the easiest way to find us is to go to my web, my Facebook page, Howard Monroe, Facebook page, and on my About Info I have a link to our podcast uh, and the Apple podcast there, and you'll catch all of those. I put them up right after the show, so by 10 after 10 or so, they're already up online. You can listen to them if you choose to. But somebody did doing pretty good today, Bob. And when you go home tonight, make sure you go to YouTube and uh, check Sean out because you will be hooked like Howard and I. It's well done, and it is a mystery. 
And uh, Sean, maybe since I'm talking about Facebook page and so on, I should uh, talk to you about uh, how people can check in on your stories, of course, on YouTube. You also have a Facebook page. Any other way you want people to know about reaching you? Uh, no, those are the two primary ways. If they do want to contact me directly, the email address is incredibly uh, incredibly simple, mysteriouswv at gmail.com. All right, and again, your Facebook page is MysteriousWV. Yes, that'll take you uh, right to it. And again, On YouTube, just do a search for MysteriousWV. I'm the only one, so uh, it should take you right to it. And then click subscribe, and you'll, you know, you'll be able to Please watch. subscribe, yes. Yeah, please subscribe. Uh, <laughs> Sean, I do not know this case. Uh, I have a text from our listeners, Freostack Ox Service text line. Howard, ask Sean about the Butchco case in Moundsville. Uh, it's, oh, Oh, you know. I that. was just trying to remember that name a second ago. So, whoever that was, thank you. You jogged my memory. <laughs> I don't remember this case. So I what's believe the story? I believe she was leaving Moundsville to go to uh, the Flamingo <laughs> in Benwood. Is do I have that one right, Sean? No, you got that <laughs> one confused with another. <laughs> ah, you you killed me. Okay, what, let's go with the one that the, the texter asked about. Isabel Isabel Isabel. Butchko disappeared uh, from Moundsville, just north of uh, Moundsville, in 1963. Uh, they found her body in McMecca, 1966, and uh, two years after that, uh, her case appeared in one of those detectives. But by the time I came across it, it was suggested to me by a viewer. Um, Really, it had gone about as cold as you could possibly get. It was big, big news up here at the time, uh, but it had just kind of faded away. And uh, I said, "Well, that's the kind I specialize in." <laughs> they were hot at they were hot at one point, so there'll be a lot of coverage on it. But they've cooled, so now it's time to you know heat things up a little bit. And uh, probably the neatest thing with with that case is I contacted my friends at the State Archive uh, who keep an archive, what they have of it, of local news coverage around the, around the area. And one of the archives that they have, thank heavens, is the, the, the WWTRF, mm -hmm. Channel 7. Right. And uh, they checked for me, and lo and behold, there was a story that aired on the, the evening news. You have to understand, with these old cases in the area, finding a photograph in the area from the time period uh, is good. Finding a film with sound talking to the original investigator at the time is what we call gold. Yes. So that's what that's what really stands out to me about that one. Having a piece of sound film that had not been seen since 1966. So, uh, well, I I, am, I appreciate our listener uh, texting on that because I, I didn't recognize the name of that, the Butchko case. So it's something you and you have an you have an episode on that, do you? Yes, I do. All right. Yes, well, I do. And believe it or not, it generated a new witness. Really? So so it generated. Yeah, about a year after the fact, I got a call from a state trooper, not recall him, was calling me up asking if I had any of the documentation on the case. I said, yes, they got me what there was, but it was not much. It was just a couple of really de badly deteriorated pages. 
and he said that the daughter of uh, somebody's daughter had had seen the feature and remembered her father talking about it. And so, lo and behold, law enforcement got another witness after, at that point, I guess that was 60-some-odd years. So you never know. You never know. It just takes one set of eyes to generate something. So this is a fun thing for actually maybe fun is a bad phrase to use because it frequently is about murder. But this is a, is is really interesting uh, to watch any of these episodes. But but um, you've you've been productive. I mean, in solving a couple of them and and uh, at least producing new leads in others as well. So you got to feel good about that, huh? It's a fantastic feeling, but. It's a fantastic feeling for the families involved. Uh, when I first learned, I remember when I first learned that um, we had found, and that's collective we, had found Wilford, Wilford Morton. Uh, I'll never forget. It was 2 o'clock in the afternoon of a Monday. Uh, I had been waiting since Saturday night to hear where the information was going, and uh, I got an email from the great-granddaughter of Mr. Morton with a death certificate from the state of New York. Mm. And lo and behold, there was the one piece of of information that we had that would solve it beyond doubt, a Social Security number. Mm. And there it was in great big black and white letters and... To this day, I think my coworkers still think I had a stroke because I did not hold back. I exulted. <laughs> my, my fans there at the office came down the office. We were giving high fives and cheering and something to finally be resolved after all of those years. It, 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 is, a, it is a good feeling to finally have an answer. It is probably worth noting that... Um, you're not just like some lone wolf sitting in your basement, uh, you know, just just skimming through old newspapers or something. You actually uh, have some folks working with you as well. Well, um, I hate to correct again, but honestly, no. No? All right. I'm, one, I'm essentially, a, with the exception of having some on-screen voices occasionally okay. and some on-screen talent, I am essentially a, a one-man band. Okay. Uh, I research, I film, I record, I edit. Uh, I, I guess just, I'm I just, the I just noticed well. that. I just noticed <laughs> that in some cases you weren't the host or the anchor or whatever, but there were there, you were the. There were some other folks that uh, that did some of the quote talent part of it as well. So I thought maybe you had some some folks working there. Sean I had a call very off early on. Yes. Yeah, very a, early on. Had a call off the air. Wanted to know if uh, you have any relatives uh, from the Wheeling area. My family is from uh, Moundsville and Cameron area ah, and okay. uh, Greene County, Pennsylvania. They actually lived right on the border. So, yes, up that way, it is entirely possible that I do have family. The, the, <laughs> other, the other one that's really high profile, there was a conviction. But it was one of the most confusing ones that you did because after watching it and then spawning off and, and doing my own research, I don't know if the guy that they convicted, and I'm talking about the co-ed murders. These are the two young oh, girls in yeah. Morgantown. They went to a movie, and which was pretty much the trend back in the early 70s. They decided to hitchhike back. They took a ride with a complete stranger, and they were never seen alive again. 
Uh, can you give us your quick thoughts about that case, Sean? I think he's guilty as hell. Um, he was in point that the two people who were who were walking with the co-eds at that time, the couple who was with them were black, and that had never been made public. So he either took an incredible guess or he was there. Hmm. That's my opinion. Say that because in this case, there's not just one conviction. He has a unique standing of being convicted twice. Sean, I'm almost out of time. I got to ask you. Are, I mean, anything in particular? I know you have. I have to assume you have a variety of cases. You kind of have files on. You're always doing some research on anything in particular you're working on. You want to share with us, or things we should be looking for coming down the road? I'm doing an update on the one out of Ohio, but I have started the researching a John Doe from South Charleston in 2016. That'll probably be the probably be the next new one I do. All right. Sean, I really appreciate your time this morning, and I appreciate the series. Uh, I thank Mr. Slider for turning me on to this. He, I'm going to tell you, my producer got so excited, he came in, he said, you got to check this thing out. That's mysterious. You've got to look at it. I was afraid not to check it. I love those reactions. I was afraid not to check it out because the next day he would yell at me. Yes, so. but he but he listened to me and he, and he and he watched Sean, and that's how it works. I'm you know I tell everyone that I know that's into that kind of thing, go to YouTube and check it out. And, and Sean, it was just a real pleasure to get to talk to you. Sean, let's keep in Likewise. touch. Let's keep in touch. Maybe we'll do this. Uh, uh, you know, from time to time, follow up some of these things. I really would love to do that. Certainly, I'd be. Thank you both. Thank you both. Great. Sean, have yourself a great day. Again, people can find you at uh, your Facebook page is uh, is uh, Mysterious WV, and you can, information about contacting and so on is right there. But most importantly, go to YouTube, search out Mysterious WV, Mysterious WV, not West Virginia, Mysterious WV. Subscribe to the channel, then you'll know what's going on. And uh, we will touch base again, Sean. Have yourself a great day. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sean McCracken, host, producer, everything of Mysterious WV. I kind of feel bad. I screwed the one up. I told you they kind of all kind of gel in, but there was another one from Marshall County that that was real close too, Howard, and uh, I messed that one up. I wasn't familiar with the Butchco case. Clearly, he He was all over it, yeah. I almost didn't didn't read the text just because, "Ah, is he going to know about this? But he did. He had already done a show on it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Sean, he, he remembers. Those are his babies. He remembers them. It is interesting. I should have asked him when he was on the line. It is interesting... How he, I, I'm assuming he doesn't have all those files sitting there right in front of him on this interview today. How he keeps all of that in his head. Because he, he seemed to know, you know, you throw a case at him and he would know the details of it. Listen, the guy was, the guy was not a reporter. The guy was not a newsman. He wasn't a television guy. He was an insurance agent. Until he fell into this. Watch just one of his YouTube reports and you say, man, this guy's been doing that for years. You yeah. know, he's got the coat on. He's got the, the, the look into the camera. Well, and, like Sam Spade he, does. Yeah. he really <laughs> he does. does. He does. But it's, uh, it, is, it is very uh, entertaining. Again, it's about murder, so I don't want to say fun, but it's really entertaining to watch the shows, to see the unveiling of some of these. And it's, you know, I mean, we, we all watch these national shows, Unsolved Mysteries and so on. Uh, or the, some of the datelines and those kind of things. It's very much the same kind of thing, except this is all about unsolved crimes in West Virginia or around it, or around it. And again, the crime that was solved, literally solved, they now have solved the case. Uh, it was solved in Shelby, Ohio, because that's where it ended up. But it began in Fairmont, West Virginia, back in 1945. 
since 1945, the case has been open. This week, they closed it. It's amazing. It's nine before the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Judge Ron Wilson was born and raised his family here in West Virginia. He is the most experienced judge in our mountain state. During his years serving the citizens of Hancock, Brook, and Ohio counties, Judge Wilson was selected to sit on the Supreme Court, was voted Judge of the Year, and was selected in 2023 for judicial excellence. Let's keep Judge Ron Wilson. I'm Judge Ron Wilson, and I respectfully ask for your vote. Paid for by the committee to keep Ron Wilson judge. Keep up with the ever-changing world of sports all night long. Sports Map Radio is on the Watchdog. FM 98.1 AM 1600. A serious injury from an accident can be just the start of your worries. What if you cannot return to work? How do you take care of your family if you're disabled? At Gellner Law Offices, we represent seriously injured people and understand their problem. We know how to get you fair compensation. We will work hard to make sure you get the money you deserve for your losses. Don't go it alone. If you're hurt in an accident, call us at 304-242-2900 or visit us at gellnerlaw.com. We'd like to help. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. our love song bumper music today from the best little whorehouse in texas notice i went with dolly and nothing against whitney houston yeah but this is I, she I, wrote the song i'm gonna go with her absolutely it's a good movie best little whorehouse in texas i like that movie seven to the hour here on the watchdog morning show um the ohio county school board last night as we knew they would because we had david croft here in studio with us yesterday ohio county school board looked at the uh, topic of Later start times, they're doing some planning on that now. We'll talk more about that tomorrow here on the show. St. Clairsville is looking at um, one of those outdoor drinking uh, area. They call them Doras, I think. Um, I forget what exactly the, the, the point of that. What, how would that designated outdoor refreshment area where you can wander the town and drink your beer? Uh, I want to talk about that. That's coming up for the show tomorrow. And um, <laughs> Flu Hardy is just doing some fun stuff down in Charleston. I don't think his colleagues think it's fun. But he's been just really just raking him over the coals. And he's going to join us tomorrow, Sean Fluarty, too. Rumor has it uh, we're doing a three-hour show tomorrow, is that? We <laughs> will be here for three hours tomorrow. Are we yes. being punished? Or no, did no, do, no. Did we no. do something wrong? No, no. We're being given an extra hour to do good stuff. Uh, so, we'll, we'll, But uh, Sean Fluarty is going to join us tomorrow, and we're going to talk about uh, he asked. He asked one of his colleagues to yield. You know, it's, it's, that's what you do. You stand up. You have a well. The colleague from uh, Overbrook Avenue yield for a question. I will not. And that's what they said. And Sean was. Sean goes, "What? You will not. You will not." I think it's time for, and then he just went off on one of the one of the flu already rants. So I'm going to talk to Sean tomorrow about that and more. Uh, Bob Westfall never goes off on a rant. He just stays calm, cool, and collected all the time, and he's here with us right now. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How are things in your world? I'm good. Slider's been eating ham sandwiches this morning, and I haven't had one yet because I have a dental appointment. I don't get I don't want to get ham in my teeth, so I, I just no. had to watch him eat this morning. Horseradish sauce. 
No, I try to stay away from that bar. No, I love horseradish sauce. Yeah. Oh, it's so good on ham. Yeah, it is. It is. Actually, I. It's. Uh, we had a luncheon here yesterday, and it was. It was. I. My, I made one of those sandwiches, and I did put horseradish on mine. Yes, you're absolutely right. But I had to because I got a dental appointment. I didn't want to get all this in my teeth. I'm running right out of here at ten to go get dental cleaning. I don't want them to be yelling at me. What is this in your tooth? You got ham. You got ham fat in your teeth. You know. So I figured. It's fresh. I'd, <laughs> I figured I better better not do that. At any rate, what are you working on today, Bob? All right, a few cases we're working on today. D.K. Wright is right now in Western Division Court. Uh, Piedmont, Ohio woman Kate Conway uh, is in court for an appearance. Uh, she is the woman with uh, 30 toy Shih Tzu dogs and five cats. Yeah. Uh, deplorable conditions, um, so we're going to uh, follow up on that. She has entered a uh, non-guilty plea as of uh, last time we uh, were in court. So D.K. is following up on that case today, so she is in there into there today. Uh, a couple other stories, a little bit, uh, uh, let's see here, baby dog is having surgery today. Oh, I meant to mention that, I forgot, yeah, baby dog's having surgery. Yeah. So Prayers for getting, baby uh, dog. ACL taken care of, so that's, uh, that's a story, I'm sure everybody's interested in that one, so. You know, I, uh, I have, I have a lot of, I sometimes make fun of Governor Justice, and I certainly criticize him on policy, but I think he loves that dog. I, it's got to hurt him to know that baby dog is hurting. Right. Yeah. So uh, absolutely, I agree, one thousand uh, percent. So anyway, we'll keep uh, keep in touch with the governor's office on that one. So we'll have that. Uh, a couple other things working on Wheeling Chambers having their leadership wheeling event today. Uh, it's a nonprofit seminar up at the Highlands. Uh, Rebecca Little is up there as we speak, so we'll have uh, a little bit on that uh, at noon, and then more on it this evening at five. Uh, West Virginia Elementary Counselor of the Year is uh, is a uh, uh, counselor at Sherrard Middle School, so we're going to go up talk about talk to her today. Uh, kind of cool to be uh, recognized nationally for your work within the state. So we've got that. Uh, a few other things we're working on. Of course, we're watching the weather. We got lucky; it's squared more to the south and now to the east. Um, I think uh, I think Brad was in here talking about Nova Scotia, that part of the country. Uh, well, it's Canada, but uh, they they've got a ton of snow up there, so uh, we got off lucky on that one. Uh, so we'll follow up on that, and then uh, kind of that lazy days between sports. The Super Bowl's over. Uh, uh, Spring training hasn't started. I do know we got the Daytona 500 coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, so that's kind of about it. Uh, a little bit, uh, kind of a little bit of a respite right now. All right. Well, those people can check things out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 530 region wide show, always at WTRF.com, the award winning website. And keep Channel 7 in your pocket with the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app. Bob, I will leave this ball in your court. We uh, had to rearrange things. We will be here tomorrow if you want to call in. If you don't, normally on a Wednesday, that's certainly up to you. But I just want you to know we'll be here if you want to give us a buzz. Okay. All okay. right. We will do that. All right. Have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. And, Mr. Slider, time for us to sign our see you. Bye-bye. Farewell. we got to go. we got to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, for another three hours swinging Swarway on a Wednesday. A lot of good stuff, though. Victoria's coming in. We're going to check in for the first time this week on some of the stuff going on down in Charleston. Uh, Sean Fluherty will be here. We're going to have some fun with that. I was talking to Sean last night, and we were having some fun talking about some of the stuff going on down there. I can't wait, Howard. We'll do it tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, right here on this program, on this very radio station, the Watchdog Radio Network.
97.7 AM 1370 WVLY Moundsville.